Well, I believe it's this. You know, remember the abomination that causes desolation? Who do they believe is, is the Messiah at that point? It's Antichrist. But remember when he comes into the temple and says, I want to be, worship me as God. He builds this monument of him, perhaps his image, and says, hey, worship me. Israel says, hey, you know what? We made this big mistake. He's going to try to kill Israel again. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast of Calvary Chapel Echo Park here in Los Angeles, California. We are a small fellowship of diverse believers who want to serve our Lord and do His will. You can find out more about our fellowship at ccechopart.com. Join us for our live stream on Sunday in the New Testament and Wednesday evenings in the Old Testament. Now let's get into the Word of God in our weekly podcast. The teaching is from Pastor David Higa and will be the study of the revelation of Jesus Christ and the book of Revelation. All right, so chapter 7, verse 1 says, After these things I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. So it says, after these things. And notice, it's similar verbiage that we saw between chapters 3 and 4, as I mentioned, right? After these things. But this is more after this, I saw this vision. Okay, so it starts to introduce us to parentheticals. It doesn't necessarily move the chronology along, okay, like it did between chapters 3 and 4. Okay, remember chapters 3 and 4, right? The picture is the earth and the church, right? And then chapter 4, the picture is now in heaven, right? And we saw the 12 elders, right? Or the, excuse me, the 24 thrones and the thrones I saw were 24 elders in Revelation chapter 4. Remember we said that that was symbolic or that pointed to the church. Remember they had crowns, Stephanos, right? And so the church in chapters 2 and 3, right, are on this earth. That's the time we're in now. But then we see in chapter 4, the church is now in heaven, right? So after these things, it tells us more of a chronological after these things. Now, the after these things in chapter 7, verse 1, and chapter 7, verse 9, which we're going to cover next week, he's just saying that now I'm, I saw, after these things, I saw another vision. Okay, so this vision is of these personages. We don't know for sure. Now, I can take a guess, but I don't want to give you my guess, right? But we don't know exactly for sure when these start to come on the scene. My guess is this, is that they really start to become um, prevalent or noticeable as they become born again. Okay, these 144,000, right? Because a seal is placed on them. And what's that? So we're going to talk about that. But I believe that they receive Jesus, and that's why the seal is placed on them, and that's why the Lord protects them. Now, when do they receive Jesus? We don't know exactly. Could be in the first three and a half part, years of the seven-year tribulation. Could be right at the uh, abomination that causes desolation. Remember, we studied that. That's when Antichrist is going to try to go after Israel again. Maybe they're all going to get born again there. Could be right around that point. But we don't know for sure, but we do know this, that they're sealed. Why are they sealed? It's because... They've received the Lord. Okay, we do know that. But we don't know the exact time. So when it says after these things, we don't know the chronology or when, but we do know this is the vision that he sees, right? The next vision. Okay, so after these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. Now, who are these four angels? We don't know for sure either. But I want you to notice the number four. And they're holding what? The four winds of the earth. And I just kind of... Because of that, four winds, winds from the east, the west, the north, and the south, right? Holding those winds. Now, what are these winds going to do? 
Boy, they're going to destroy a lot of, bring a lot of destruction. So think about it. Holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. Now, why doesn't he want that to happen? Because there's going to be devastation. Verse 2 says, Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth, and the sea. So these four angels, right, that come with this wind or want this to come with this wind, right, they are going to give, be given power to harm the earth, right? Verse 3 says, saying, do not harm the earth, right? And so this other angel, right, is saying he's holding them back from harming the earth. Okay, so these angels are going to administer judgment through the wind. The wind's going to come on the earth and it's going to begin to destroy everything. And we have this one angel holding that back, Okay. And so notice in verse 3 says, saying, do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Now, what does this mean, we have sealed? Notice the word seal comes up, right, multiple times. Notice in verse 2, then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. So this angel has this seal. What is the seal? Notice it says, right, not only in verse 2, but also we see in verse 3. It says, do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees till we have sealed the servants. And then notice in verse 4. And I heard the number of those who were sealed. Okay, so we have these four angels, right? They want to kind of come with this wind to destroy the earth. But he says, make sure that these ones are sealed first. Isn't that interesting? So... Let's start to kind of put this together, what this seal is and, and what this wind is. Now, I want you to note this, firstly, right? In chapter 8, as I mentioned, right? That's when the seventh seal is opened. We have this parenthetical. We have the sixth seal we just kind of covered last week, right? At the end of Revelation chapter 6. Remember the shaking of the universe. And then the Revelation, uh, or the fifth seal, right? Was the prayers of those tribulations, praying for judgment. But then we have this pause in the narrative, in the chronology. It gives us this parenthetical. It picks up again in chapter 8, the seventh seal. Now, what's the seventh seal? Think about it. Well, <laughs> if you haven't read Revelation, you might, you might not know. But that seventh seal, you know what it is? What's well, the last seal we know? But that seventh seal is seven trumpets of judgment. Think about it. And then we're going to find out that that seventh trumpet of judgment is seven bowls of judgment. So in that seventh seal, we have 14 separate judgments. That's what's being loosed. Now think about a trumpet. What does it take to blow a trumpet? It takes a lot of wind. huh? Anybody ever blow a trumpet? Got to have some diaphragm, right? It takes a lot of wind. And so notice, these four angels are coming with the wind from the east, the west, the north, and the south. And then this one angel is telling them to hold back until we seal the 144,000 so they're not... So they're not killed or perish, right? He's going to seal them. And so in the first four trumpets, right? Four angels holding the four winds. In the first four trumpets, and you can read this in uh, chapter 8. We're going to get there in two weeks. Chapter 8, verses 7 all the way through verse 13. First four trumpets, right? So you have four angels, the winds from the north. The south, the east, and the west, four trumpets, perhaps that's the blowing of those first four trumpets. No, this is going to destroy the vegetation, the seas, the waters, and the heavens. So think about it. So this one angel saying he's holding it back. It's actually God's mercy 
so that these 144,000 can be sealed before the judgment occurs and they're going to be protected. Okay? It kind of reminds you of today, right? What's keeping back judgment? It's really the Holy Spirit, right? It's mercy, right? We noted that in 2 Thessalonians. Remember we cross-referenced there that Antichrist is going to come on the scene right after he is removed. Who's the he? We think that that's the Holy Spirit. We believe that that's the Holy Spirit in the church. Now, it's not that the Holy Spirit is removed completely, but the Holy Spirit in the church. So just as the Holy Spirit came upon the church in Pentecost, right? The Holy Spirit is going to be, what? Removed in the rapture of the church. It's not that the Holy Spirit is not working. He is working. He's going to be working to save. But that, that dynamic of work in the church. And so I was reading, uh, actually, Walford was underscoring this. That it's not that the Holy Spirit is not omnipresent. He's God. Always here, right? But he started to work in a, in a distinct way, right? through the church at Pentecost. Well, the church is not raptured, okay? And so he's still working. He's going to save these 144,000. He's going to save other Gentiles, the martyred saints, right? But what's this seal? Think about it. Now, I'm going to pose this to you. This is not to be dogmatic, okay? But think about it. What seals us here? Think about it. It's the Holy Spirit. Let me give you those scriptures, right? Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Paul talks about in this time of the church, what seals us for our redemption, for our resurrected body? It's the Holy Spirit. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? You must receive Christ, be born again. You think it's going to be the same for these 144,000 in the tribulation saints? They have to receive Christ. What happens when they receive Christ? Well, I would say they're born again. What happens when they're born again? They're going to be sealed with the Spirit. I, I, I feel this could be kind of that similar dynamic. Okay? But it's with the 144,000, the saved of Israel, and the tribulation saints. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 says this. Paul says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal. What's that seal? The promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. What's the inheritance? Is our resurrected bodies. Now, the church has already received their inheritance at this time in the, ra in the rapture of the church, right? The tribulation saints and the 144,000, they're born again, but they haven't received, right? That redemption yet. But perhaps the seal is the Holy Spirit again. I just pose that to you. People are always wondering, what's the seal? Perhaps it's the Holy Spirit. Because, think about it, they're going to be born again, aren't they? And this is where I want to go to some of the scriptures in Jeremiah, you know, the new covenant, that they're going to receive the Lord. They're going to be born again. I believe that that's the seal. But in regard to the tribulation for this 144,000, God's going to seal them from harm. Okay? But not everybody, right? We're going to know that tribulation saints are going to die, but they're sealed, right? They're saved. But I believe that when these 144,000 receive that, they're going to be sealed with the Spirit, but they're going to be sealed also physically because God's going to do a work through them. That's my belief, right? But a lot of people have different views on what that seal is. I believe it's the seal of the Holy Spirit again, but it's specific to this time of the tribulation, specific to this 144,000, okay? Also, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, Paul said, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed. 
for the day of redemption. And 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22 says this, Now it is God who makes both of us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And that deposit guaranteeing what is to come is deposit for your resurrected body. That's the Holy Spirit. Okay, so I give you these scriptures just to kind of posit that to you. Okay, maybe, could be, could be this seal is the Spirit again coming upon them. But it's specific to the tribulation time and specific to these 144,000. Okay. All right, so notice it says, do not harm the earth, the sea, the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God. Verse 3 on their foreheads, and I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Now, there are some different views on this, okay? So we believe when it says of all the tribes of the children of Israel, and it specifically highlights the tribes and the numbers that God says what he means, and God means what he says. And this is where I want to go to all these different cross-references in Scripture why I believe he's specifically highlighting the time or the, the people of Israel. There are what some believe that the church has replaced Israel because Israel has rejected Messiah. And so now the church has replaced Israel in Scripture in the New Testament. And so they replace us with the church. But, you know, as we're kind of talking about, we believe that the church is already raptured. And for all the reasons you get the previous teaching, we believe that, that he specifically, he says what he means what he, and means what he says, that he's talking about Israel, that Israel's going to be grafted back in. Okay? Now, I want to take you to some scriptures that describe this. And this has to do with Old Testament scriptures, a lot of them. And then even Romans chapter 11, it refers to a lot of Old Testament promises that, that God is going to bring Israel back in. And how's God going to be bringing Israel back in? It's through Messiah Jesus. Okay, So this is where I want to go to those cross-references that I gave you earlier. So Zechariah chapter 12. Let's go to Zechariah chapter 12. Let's go verses 10 through 14. Zechariah chapter 12 verses 10 through 14. Now, if you read Zechariah chapter 12 in its entirety, you'll know the multiple times it says, in that day. What do you think that means? We talked about this, right? The day of the Lord. Notice in verse 4, in that day, says the Lord. Notice verse 6, in that day I will make governors of Judah. Verse uh, 8, in that day. Verse 9, it shall be in that day. What day is that? Might be the day of the Lord. I think it is. Okay? And then we see the prophecy here that I want to highlight in verse 10. Chapter 12, verse 10 of Zechariah says, I will pour on the house of David. And on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace. What's that? That would be the new covenant. And supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son. And grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. Now, let me put this together. This is what I believe. You can measure this out. But it's describing a mourning when they receive the uh, uh, Jesus Messiah. Why would they be mourning? Well, I believe it's this. You know, remember the abomination that causes desolation? Who do they believe is, is the Messiah at that point? It's Antichrist. But remember when he comes into the temple and says, I want to be, worship me as God. He builds this 
monument of him, perhaps his image, and says, hey, worship me. Israel say, hey, you know what? We made this big mistake. And he's going to try to kill Israel again. At that point, I think they're going to realize that their Messiah is Jesus, and they're going to mourn for the mistake that they made. That's, that's what I believe. And the reference in mourning. Now, think about mourning. You know, one of the things about when you do, um, and this is something I've really learned, is um, you know, I've done my share of funerals. I've done my share of funerals. I think I've done like three times more funerals than, than marriages. I've done my share. But you know, one of the things I've really learned is to really listen. Is so don't just have flippant answer. Oh, he's in a better place. Oh, she's in a better place. You know, sometimes they don't feel that. Sometimes they, they're just they're just mourning. You know, so you know we have a lot of these verbiages that we say, right? And we do know he's in a better place if he's saved. We do know, but you know, there's mourning. Jesus mourned. He wept, right? And so I want you to everyone mourns differently. There, there's no two alike. And that's why we have to be really, really listeners when somebody loses a loved one. Not so much preachers. Well, the scripture says rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn. Sometimes we just mourn with them. Sometimes there's not words to say. Now I want you to note this. They begin to mourn. But notice the individuality in which they mourn. And this is why to me it speaks of the time where they kind of turn. They realize that Antichrist there's no, he's not the Christ. And they realize their mistake and it's on an individual basis. They begin to mourn. I want you to note this. Verse 11, or um, let me read, um, let me read verse 10 again. It says, and I will pour on the house of David, on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplication. And then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son. And grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. Verse 11. In that day there shall be a great mourning in Jerusalem. Like the mourning at Hadad Ramon in the plain of Megiddo. Verse 12. And the land shall mourn every family what? By itself. You know we don't just kind of come together. We're all going to mourn together. We do mourn together. But you know mourning is very individual. I've got to tell you. When you see somebody that loses a son or a daughter or a father or a mother <coughs> or a wife or a husband, everybody reacts differently. It says, and the land shall mourn every family by itself. The family of the house of David by itself and their wives by themselves. The family of the house of Nathan by itself and their wives by themselves. And the family of the house of Levi by itself and their wives by themselves. The family of Shemai by itself and their wives by themselves. All the families that remain, every family by itself and their wives by itself. I believe Zechariah is describing this time in the tribulation when Israel begins to turn to Jesus. They realize they made this great mistake and they're going to begin to mourn. But that's where they're going to be saved. They're going to be born again. Okay, so I want to take you now to Jeremiah chapter 31. We're going to read from verses 31 to 34. Jeremiah chapter 31. Many of you are familiar with this. This is really the prophecy of Jeremiah when the new covenant, the covenant in Jesus Christ is going to come upon Israel. No more law. 
external law, right? It's going to be written on their hearts. They're going to be born again. The Spirit's going to come in them. Right? I believe this is fulfilled in the tribulation. And I believe that that's the seal. Because becoming born again, receiving the Holy Spirit is the seal. It was for the church. Could it be for Israel? 144,000? I, I believe it could be so. Okay? Now, verse 31, chapter 31 of Jeremiah says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Verse 32, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. That would be the old covenant, the covenant of Moses, right? The covenant of the law. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their, heart, in their minds and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now, we can understand this, right? In the church. Is the new covenant for the church a covenant of law? And this is why it's kind of frustrating when people start to what? Live as Pharisees, right? A bunch of do's and don'ts. And you ask them, well, are you going to get to heaven doing that? No. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't do the law. And Paul says, right? We do the law even more because we're born again. We're changed from inside. But it's a covenant written on our hearts. And so it's going to happen to Israel. It's the new covenant. It's the covenant, what? In, in Jesus Christ. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother say, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Sounds like a new covenant to me, right? When's that going to happen? I believe that's going to happen when the seal is put on them, this 144,000. And I believe that that seal is the Holy Spirit. How's the Holy Spirit what? Come into us? Our sins need to be removed, just as described in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 34. Okay? Now, let's go to Romans chapter 11. This is the one I want to spend a little time in. Romans chapter 11, verse 25 through 29. Romans chapter 11. Now, you would do well to read all of Romans chapter 11 yourself. Okay? It talks about uh, this, this tree and how Israel was broken off so the Gentiles were grafted back in. But that the Gentiles are grafted back in doesn't mean that they can't be broken off too. So he's talking about when Israel rejected the Lord, right? Because God's plan was to reveal himself through Israel. But Israel rejected the Messiah. And so what happens, Israel's broken off. And then the Gentile, the Gentile church was grafted in. Until when? Until the time of the Gentiles reach its fullness. We're going to see that verbiage here. Now when does the time of the Gentiles reach their fullness? Good question, right? I believe, right, it kind of really talks about the rapture of the church because God begins to deal with Israel again. But there's going to be Gentiles that are saved even in the tribulation, the tribulation saints. Okay, so, but when the Gentiles, the time of the Gentiles reaches fullness, God's going to begin to what? Bring the fullness of Israel back in. And that's in Romans chapter 11 described. Now, I'm going to walk you through this. Romans chapter 11, right at verse 25. Again, you want to read the entire Romans chapter 11, okay? Romans chapter 11, right at verse 25. <clears throat> Paul writes this, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. Now, what's the mystery? Anybody here when we studied Ephesians? Remember the book of Ephesians? 
Mystery. Which was many times. What was that mystery? Ephesians chapter 3. I have in my notes here specifically chapter 3 verses 1 through 7. But it's other places in Ephesians too. What's that mystery? Jews and Gentiles. Absolutely. Jews and Gentiles coming in together. Now, have Jews and Gentiles come in together? Well, Messianic Jews have come in with the Gentile church receiving Jesus. But I'm talking about Israel proper. Has Israel proper come in? The nation? No. When's that going to be? Well, it's going to be after the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. But it's going to talk about the fullness of Israel coming in. How's that going to happen? See, this mystery is going to be solved when the fullness of the Gentiles and the fullness of Israel comes in. This is what Paul is talking about. And so he says, right now, blindness in part has happened to Israel. What's that blindness? Well, they've rejected Messiah. And we noted this, right? They're going to follow an antichrist, right? They're blind until they become what? Born again. And this is what I believe is described here in this 144,000. And I believe it could be right around the middle of the tribulation. We don't know for sure, but they're sealed. And I believe the seal is the Holy Spirit, just like it is in the church. Okay? So that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Okay, so the Gentile church, right? Remember, Israel rejected Messiah, so it went out to the Gentiles. We can read that in the book of Acts very clearly, right? You can see that. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the outer parts of the earth. But then the time of the Gentiles, really, for the most part, right, it, the fullness came in at the rapture of the church. Now, again, there's tribulation saints are going to come in. So I, I wouldn't say that definitively. But you can see as the fullness of the Gentiles come in, maybe those martyred saints. Remember we talked about that tipping point. As more martyred, more are going to start to pray in judgment. It's going to create, expedite things. Right? To end the tribulation so Jesus would return. Well, somewhere in that time, Israel is going to reach its fullness. They're going to receive Messiah. There's going to be not just 144,000 saved, specifically marked here, but I believe there's going to be other Israelites saved. Thanks again for joining us on our podcast of Calvary Chapel Echo Park. We hope and pray that you have been blessed by the teaching and join us again as we continue to study the Word of God. Once again, you can always visit us on our homepage at ccechopart.com for more information and teachings from Pastor David. To God be the glory.